On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. Videocast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Pete Blackbird. Pete, what's going on, man? How are you? It's been a while. It has. What well, last time we recorded was like right when the pandemic had started, and we rewatched the uh, the classic Team North America versus Team mm-hmm. Sweden from the 2016 World Cup. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a, a good excuse to revisit Team uh, Team North America. I was happy to do that, and I'm happy to be here again. Thanks for having me. We're going to we're going to do something a bit more topical this time. So, the concept of today's show, people that have been listening to the PDO cast know it full full well by now. I've I've done it for at least the past 5 or 6 years on this feed. It's initially co-opted from Zach Lowe's league pass power rankings that he does for the NBA. Uh, but we're going to rank the teams based on watchability. So just say it's a Saturday and as the NHL is wanting to do, they put 12 games on at once and the league just seems completely disinterested in the concept of staggering puck drop times. And I know it's because of advertisements and all that. And they want people watching the commercials and intermission reports and all that, but everyone's playing at the same time. You can only kind of bounce around and get a taste of everything. All things equal, who are you prioritizing watching and why? And so I get that it's a very uh, subjective definition. Everyone's going to kind of have different preferences and things they value in the product and what they're looking for. I've got a list of sort of things that I have up for consideration, but I'm curious, just give the people kind of a, a peek behind the curtains for like the methodology of what you're looking for when you're deciding, Oh, should I watch this team or this team? Like kind of, what are you looking for and what are you prioritizing the most? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, there's a lot of things, a lot of different areas you can go to, like, obviously, um, you know, and we'll get into them as we go in through the teams, but like, you know, it, it doesn't start and end with a team's quality of roster or like their record or where they're at in the standings like there are often bad teams that are pretty exciting and you know they're worth turning it tuning into on any given night and you know i think that even if you want to go as deep as like announcers you know announcers that you like or broadcast teams that you like it can help sway you to tune into a certain team arena atmosphere time of game like i think there are a lot of things that go into the watchability or like the ranking of a game that you want to watch on any given night. Certainly. I mean, I've got written down here as a taste. I got talent, like the star power is important. And especially if you have specific players you're interested in seeing or following more closely or kind of at the start of the year, I'm always curious to see how like either players that have switched teams or young players who we have come across from Europe or something. I want to see how they look in the NHL, but team playing style, especially in terms of like the pace they play at, whether they have, unique tendencies to their game that I've noticed, uh, the likelihood of engaging and entertaining games and more on this in a second, the aesthetics, uh, whether it's broadcast quality, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to be hyping up all the Bali sports ones. Um, but no, no, I uh, give me some credit. I'm not, 
I'm not, I'm a company man, but I'm not, I'm not totally in, in Bally's pocket. Okay. I, I thought you were going to go in a different direction there. I thought you were going to say like, and I, I do have this on a lot of my lists. I'm a big aesthetics guy too. I'm a huge uniform guy. Yes. Like yeah. I, I'm massive on uniform matchups and um, like there are times that I just won't watch teams because their uniforms stink. It's, it's a stupid, stupid mindset, but like it's part of the game. It's part of the experience. It's a visual medium, of course. Right. And I think the home crowd as well certainly plays into it. If you're like depressed by the crowd versus where if you know it's going to be a good time and they're going to be amping you up. Relevance. Uh, you know, if the whole Twitter timeline is talking about a game and you feel like you kind of can't miss mm -hmm. out on the live experience, I think that's an important thing. And then and you, you hit on this. I think it's important to keep in mind that this isn't necessarily correlated with being good or winning games. If you want to power rankings, just go sort by the current standings. I think in this case, being bad defensively or kind of prone to breakdowns might actually lead to a better viewing experience because it increases the number of events and likelihood of goals and all that. So um, let's, let's get into it. Let's, uh, Let's not waste any more time because I think we're going to try to power through and, and kind of touch on every team here, at least kind of give one nugget or something to care about for them. Last year, I did this with Jeff Merrick, and I unfortunately made the mistake of, of letting him talk about teams 31 through 25 for like 45 minutes. And then we just had to race through the rest of the actually interesting teams. So we're going to try to pace ourselves a little better here this year. Yeah. Um, I have, I have very, uh, very minimal bullet points, so we like should it. be able to move kind of quickly. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's start with, uh, with 32 and we'll work our way all the way through to one. Also people get hung up on this. I understand, but I more so like tiered my teams into kind of sections and like lump them together with similar teams as opposed to worrying necessarily about whether a team is 21st or 15th because if they're in the same tier, that might not actually be any difference. So uh, with that out of the way, let's uh, let's start it off. So give me your uh, your 32. Uh, my 32 team is the San Jose Sharks. Um, I have the Sharks in there just because I don't particularly care about the Sharks right now because I just it feels like a team that is absolutely stuck in no man's land. They're not really going anywhere. Um, number is a weird one, but like their camera angle on the home broadcast absolutely oh, yeah. sucks. It's so high up. It's basically in the rafters um, and they're a West Coast team. So like for somebody who like me, who's on the East Coast, it may help them sometimes where like they're one of the few late games on. But, you know, I would prefer like uh, an Edmonton or a, a, a L.A. I'm going to pick those teams most of the time over watching the Sharks because I just feel like the Sharks are not that interesting and they don't have a very high ceiling. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I uh, Let me see where I have them on my list. Uh, I have them 23rd. Um, but I, I totally see what you're saying, especially in terms of like it's helped them a bit in terms of wins and losses this year. Cause they're not as big of a defensive dumpster fire as they've been in the past, but that's actually kind of decreased that their watchability. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Like it used to be like, I remember what was their one game last year they played. It was like one of the only games on late on a Saturday. It was against St. Louis and it was like eight, seven or something like that. And they just kept trading goals back and forth. And it's like, if you're going to be bad, at least give me that. I think they're, they've been better. And as a result, it's kind of hurt their watchability. So I'm totally with you. I, I, I do think they check boxes in terms of like, Timo Meyer is fun to watch. Tomas Hurdle is fun to watch. They have individual talents that I like to tune in and see, but the home broadcast, you're so right. The camera angle, it's so uh, not, not necessarily off-putting, but kind of disorienting for me. And every time I tune it in, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go check something else out instead. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm with you. All right, 32. I am absolutely stunned that you did not have the Arizona Coyotes at, at 32. Um, did it, was it purely based on the fact that they're wearing those white Kachina jerseys this season? 
No. Um, and like, you know, not to throw in a crazy amount of spoilers here, but like I I'm a fan of chaos. So like you kind of just alluded to it, but you know, teams that are not good can be really, they can be watchable because like it, you can laugh and, and get like, just enjoy how bad they are. So you'll probably be surprised at like where the coyotes are on my list. And like some of these other teams, like I would rather watch a very, very bad team that gives me entertainment value than a team that like the sharks where, you know, like you said, they got a little bit, a little bit better. They're a little bit tighter, Sometimes I feel like that hurts the watchability and the entertainment factor. All right. Counterpoint. Arizona's averaging 1.9 expected goals for per game. That's the lowest clip that we have record of dating back to 2007, which is somehow lower than that 2014-15 Sabres tank team, impressively. They're scoring 1.6 goals per game, which is the lowest rate of any team since like the 1920s that I could find. Uh, I'm going to play a little game with you here. So Shane Gostas Bear is their only... Uh, scorer over 10 points. Can you name their two leading goal scorers though? One has four and the other has three. Uh, I probably can't. Is uh, is Lawson Krause one of them? Lawson Krause leads the team okay. with four goals. Clayton Keller is, is tied for a second place with three goals with okay. Andrew Ladd. Andrew Ladd is a surprising one. Remarkable stuff. Um, <laughs> I will say though, I think their home broadcast is genuinely hilarious and it might be for unintentional reasons, but if you just got rid of the score bug and you like plopped yourself into the middle of any coyotes game, you could just, you would guess that they're up five, one and hadn't lost in weeks <laughs> purely based on Tyson Nash's energy. He's like just talking about Karel Vamelka and like all these random guys like, Oh, like, look at that. Look at that four check there. It's like, they're down seven, two right now. What are you talking about? But I, I, I appreciate it as a company. Kind, yeah, man. That's kind job. of incredible. Like, yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a credit to Tyson Nash. Like it's gotta be horrible to subject yourself to that on uh, night in and on night out and like have to be positive about it. So for it to come through as being like genuine, it's good for him. <laughs> Certainly. Um, all right. That was a very optimistic view of the Arizona Coyotes by you. Give me uh give me 31 on your list. Uh, 31, I have the uh, the Dallas Stars. I think the Dallas Stars are a very, very slow, very sloggy style of play. Like they have excite, they have some exciting players. Uh, like their back end, Mir Heiskanen is is a, like a really exciting player, and like I love Tyler Sagan. You know, Jamie Ben. Yeah, uh, you know they have got they've got exciting players, but they don't play an exciting style of hockey, and it's just kind of gets like, and and I don't want to say like defensive hockey isn't good hockey and you know i think that'll come up when i talk about the islanders a little bit later but like you, you got to give me something you got to give me a little bit more in terms of excitement and rather than just trying to drag down the pace of play all game long so the dallas stars are basically uh, you know the snooze button for me of nhl teams yeah i have them at 30 so i'm right there with you anyone that follows me on twitter knows how much i hate watch them because I, I despise myself, but for whatever reason, I'm watching a lot of Dallas Stars games. I honestly just, I find them to be such an infuriating team because maybe I'm overrating their talent individually and 
even if they played a more up-tempo style and just said, screw it, let's try to score goals, they wouldn't be able to for or whatever. But I feel like there's so much more there that just untapped by the way they choose. Like they, they go the least ambitious route possible and just try to hang on for dear life to like flip a coin at the end and see who can win in overtime. Yeah. And I guess there's drama involved in that. Like at the end where it's, you know, like they're probably gonna be playing a pretty close game and you'll be able to tune in with five minutes left and it'll be tied and next shot wins. But I mean, they're leading five on five goal scorers, Luke Lindening right now. And that's just like the most Dallas star stat imaginable. So I, I considered them for 32. I bumped them up a bit because I think their broadcast is fantastic. I really enjoy Razor and uh, Josh Bogorad. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give them a bit of love, but it's, yeah, they're, they're a tough watch. Um, my 31 is the Montreal Canadiens. I'm curious where you had them on your list. Do you want me to spoil it or? Um, well, I mean, we're going to talk about them right now, I guess. So like, okay. yeah, give, give us a little spoiler. Yeah. Okay. Gonna... I have the Canadians up at uh 17 because <laughs> I think that it's, it's interesting. Like it's interest. They're an interesting case study as to like what can happen from a year to year perspective. Like, obviously I think that everybody thinks that um, they kind of like outkick their coverage last year and, and, you know, rode a hot streak all the way to the Stanley cup final, but it's still kind of, you know, and you could talk about the off season and the pieces that they lost and, and how, how important that was. But like, I still think it's very interesting that you've got a team that made it all the way to the cup final is one of two teams remaining. And now this year, like nothing is going right. I think that's interesting. And I, I am intrigued to watch them and see what happens. And, and like, I do think on any given night, they are capable of giving you, uh, you know, they, they're capable of giving you something interesting like they fall apart quite a bit and you know they have flashes of of being able to kind of come out of it and then they fall apart again so they're a team that i'm interested in watching and you know i think their their uniforms are great their their atmosphere is one of the best in the entire league so like that sort of lends itself to to being watchable yeah i mean i'm just being a bit overly kind of harsh because of the playoff fatigue after just watching them so much last year um or maybe I'm like knocking them too much because I'm disappointed that Cole Caulfield hasn't been playing and, and hasn't been scoring goals the way I expected so far. I think he just got called back up. So, so we'll see, maybe that can bump them up a little bit, but yeah, beyond like the occasional bit of wizardry from Nick Suzuki, there's just been very few redeemable qualities for me. I think it's amazing. Like I think David Savard has value as a player, but like they were never going to be able to fill right. the void left by Shea Weber. Right. Mm-hmm. But somehow they found a player who is even slower than Shea Weber was. And just watching David Savard move around is, is I guess, entertaining in a way. Like, it can only be described as glacial. So, yeah. um, and I, I mean, like, you, you, t- you talk about Shea Weber and, and his impact and his loss. But, like, their second most important defenseman last year was Jeff Petrie. Yeah. Uh, and he has not been very good this year. And, like, I guess, like, this speaks to why I have them so high, you know, as a Bruins fan, I think one of my funniest moments of the season so far is Jeff Petrie throwing a puck off Charlie Coyle's head and him scoring a goal from that. Like there's, there's, there's entertainment in, in sort of like that mess. Yeah. It is a bit of a clown show so far. I'll give you that. Um, All right. I think it's so, this is going to be very confusing. I'm going to keep losing track of time. Who's next on your list? Uh, Next on my list is the Buffalo Sabres. Um, You know, I, I think that, the Sabres are, you know, in the first first month of the season, I was locked in. They were they were performing and you know surprising. So I was watching them. I was wa- I wanted to see like what what the heck was going on there. And and so, um, you know, if you had asked me a couple weeks ago, you know, a month ago, would have had it much higher. But uh, you know, I lose interest in the Sabres in in 
like sort of them being in the middle. Whereas like, I will watch the Sabres just like I will watch the Arizona Coyotes if they are awful. Like if they are tanking, I want to see that because it's a mess. It's a clown show. I I, I love that. So, um, you know, the Sabres are, are to the point where they're bad, but they're not so bad that it makes me want to be interested in them. Yeah, no, I know. I see what you're saying from the, like, I have a 29th on my list. I actually quite like the process in terms of like the idea of how they want to play under Don Granado and what they're trying to do. They just unfortunately don't have enough talent in place right now to convert on those opportunities or, or really like capitalize on it, especially like Victor Olofsson was, was really good at the start for their power play. It just completely got in a dumpster with him out. So I think it's, it's, significantly less depressing than it was under Ralph Kruger last year, but you're right from a, a sort of watching uh, a car crash element. Right. It's not yeah. that like they're, they're, right. they're well coached and like there's actual strategy involved, which is, and they play with, and I think that this can't be understated. They're like playing with pride yeah. last year. They, there was very minimal effort and pride and it was, it was tough to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone actively hated it. Embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So at least they have some pride behind them this year. Yeah. Um, all right. Next on my list, because I had the Sabres, same as you, I have the Vancouver Canucks at 28. And this is uh, shocking to me because if we had done this, like you and I have been talking for weeks now about doing the show, if we had done it before the season, like originally planned, I think I had them near the top 10 because I figured they wouldn't be good, but they had enough talent up front to play a lot of high scoring games. And that just hasn't been the case at all. Um, like they're bottom like, so they have the worst power play in the league. Uh, they have the worst penalty kill in the league. They're a bottom five, five on five team in pretty much every metric. No one's trailed more than that. They've somehow trailed for more uh, percentage of their games than the Coyotes have so far. They only have three that regulation wins. Like it's, it's genuinely stunning. Um, and yeah, there is an element of like, this is such a disaster, but I would say that the hockey has been so bad and so like disjointed that it hasn't necessarily even been satisfying from a from a like just pure hate watch perspective it's actually been depressing i think I was, the most yeah. entertaining part of their season has been this past week of like the ownership being like oh yeah we're gonna meet with jim benning to figure out who's responsible for this and jim benning being like wow i did not see this coming and it's like all right well this is this is a problem i think that's been the most unintentionally sort of entertaining part of their year so far yeah, and and so like I, I'm glad that you threw out the word depressing because it is legitimately depressing what this team has become. Uh, a few years ago, I had like named the Canucks my Midnight Riders team, which I think you know if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's you know I, I pick a West Coast team every year to kind of like root for and and like keep close tabs on, um, so that I have like a late game favorite. And the Can I picked the Canucks because you mentioned it like they had talent up front. They, they scored, they were exciting, but they were like thoroughly imperfect where, you know, it was always entertaining for better or for worse. Yep. And that it's no longer for better. <laughs> There's like very little for better for that team. Um, so, and they were trending in the right direction. I thought a couple of years ago and it, you know, they, you know, have this bottom has since fallen out and you know, it's been, it's been tough, but, uh, I have them a little bit higher for me. Uh, my we're on 29, I believe here. Uh, I have the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is shocking to me f to have a team with Sidney Crosby on it this low, but like, I'm just, I'm not super interested in the Penguins because I feel like, and maybe it's a bias, like preseason bias, but like, you know, 
I don't think this team is going anywhere. I don't think they're heading in the right direction. Sidney Crosby is not enough anymore in terms of just like a showstopper to pull in me, pull me in on any given night. Um, and so like the Penguins are just kind of a mess and, you know, they're, they're just simply not very interesting. Well, I have the Penguins at 21 and I just didn't know how to rank them because they're kind of like the zombie Penguins, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, they've had such an insane year from, from a health perspective that I just never know who's going to be in the lineup. Like there was that one game where they basically just field their AHL team and, and beat the Leafs seven, one. And if anything, like that's almost more entertaining. Cause I'm just like, man, this is like the only organization that can pull shit like this off where just like Rodriguez is scoring a bunch of goals and Danton Heinen, and they're just lighting it up. And you're like, what is going on? I think, we just haven't seen enough from, from Crosby yet this year, right? He's only been in the lineup right. for a couple of games. He's clearly working his way back into game form. So we'll see. I'm willing to bump them up more once Crosby's at full health and Malkin eventually comes back and they actually have a full lineup. But you're right. For right now, it's like only maybe for the defensive purists and like guys who just really like people who really love four checks, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe uh, the Penguins can be higher. But for us, uh, I think it's fair to have them this low. Um 26 is next on my list. I believe I have the New York Islanders. 26. Mm-hmm. You skip a few. Well, I've already done a bunch of my low ones. Okay. Well, I, I guess, I guess 20, the, the, I have 27. I have 27 okay. Chicago Blackhawks. So I actually should, uh, we should do them first. I don't even know what to say about this team. I, it feels gross watching them. And so I, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I haven't watched much Chicago Blackhawks hockey this season mm-hmm. as a result, especially over the past couple of weeks. Uh, they've obviously been playing better since their coaching change. And, uh, TBD, but um, yeah, it seems like the the on ice product is kind of doing a deep dive on it right now. It just seems a bit ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I I I feel that. I mean, I have um, at twenty eight, I have uh, I have the Senators. Um, you know, it's it's they're a rebuilding team. I'll give them credit for that. Like they've got some nice young pieces that I'm interested in and seeing how that develops. And I think that they can be uh, an entertain entertaining team on any given night. But like, I just don't have, they, I think they don't have the pull really to prioritize them over, over like some of these other rebuilding teams that are making more traction. So um, they're in there. I will say Matt Murray watching him is an adventure any, any, any night. So like I do, I, I like, I might, I might give them a few extra like watchability points if Matt Murray's in net just for the sake of seeing what might happen with him between the pipes. So like, they're there. Um, and then uh, if you want to catch up at 27, I have the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think that Blue Jackets have some of my least favorite uh, uniforms in the league. Not crazy about like their entire branding. They lose some intrigue without Patrick Line in the lineup. Um, and I just I, I have like I have a general curiosity as to what they are right now and, and where they are. But beyond that, I don't think that they're all that crazy exciting to watch i have them at 25 and i've actually enjoyed watching them play this year they're actually kind of sneaky fun like it's it's a kind of a ragtag group of of veterans and young players and you're right heading into the year i had no idea what to expect they're so they're 10th in combined shots for and against They're fourth in combined goals scored and sixth in expected goals like they've been playing actually pretty high event hockey certainly a departure from what we saw last year and under john tortorella and they've been involved in some of these crazy games where recently they like 
stole a game against the Avs and both the Red Wings in like the final minute with a goal. Uh, they won a bunch of overtime games. I like seeing guys like Sillinger and Chinnikov and some of these young players they brought into the mix. Like I want to see how they look. Um, but I really passionately dislike their broadcast. So okay. it, I, I, I struggle with that one. I usually watch the away broadcast if I'm watching a uh, Blue Jackets home game. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised. I've enjoyed watching them quite a bit and I'm willing to bump them up even further if I if they keep this up. So um, I agree. Uh, okay, so who's next on your list? I guess we you, you did the Blue Jackets at 26 or something like that. 27. Yeah, 26. I have uh, I have the Kings. The Kings, I think, uh, you know, they they can. Cl- I feel like they have an ability to climb the list uh, if they start to, you know, put things together more consistently, get the young players more involved, and like have the future kind of come clear into picture. But I feel like right now they're a complete wild card every night, and and maybe like maybe that's a positive for a lot of people where like you just kind of don't know what you're gonna get. But it hasn't been all too exciting from what I've seen. I did, I did watch them late last night and I was absolutely crazy about those metallic buckets that they wore with the, uh, the old school style (laughs) jerseys jerseys. are so nice. They're so nice. And like, and I was pretty torn. Like it took me almost the whole game to decide whether or not I liked those, those, uh, Chrome buckets, but like, I don't know. There's such a uniqueness to it, and I think that it works better than it than um, the the Vegas gold ones. So I'm willing to give them some points for those. And and so you know, I think they can keep climbing, but right now, not super high. I'll put them at 26. Yeah, I have, I have them higher. I have them 18 on mine, just because I think they play pretty fast. Um, you know, they've been winning a bunch of games here recently, and they have a, a bunch like they have good depth, especially in terms of young players. Like I'm, I'm curious to see how they develop. So I have them a bit higher. Um, those jerseys. I mean, that, that needs to be a full-time thing. Those are, those are yeah. freaking gorgeous. Um, all right, let's do, I've got, so let's get to my list. Now I got 26, the Islanders, uh, which I mentioned earlier. I, I, I'm a, I'm on the record as saying that people underrate how the, uh, how fun the Islanders have been to watch in the past, because when they're firing on all cylinders, like there's something beautiful about how structured they are and how disciplined they are. And just like, everyone is kind of pushing and pulling in the same direction at all times. And and I do appreciate that. It just, that hasn't been the case lately. Like I understand they started the season on this insane road trip while they waited for their rink to finish up. They're going to be finally playing some home games here. I'm looking forward to checking out what that looks like. And I'll certainly be watching those games, but I mean, they've been outscored 19 to four in their last four games. Ryan Pulak's out for a month now or so. And it just, it like that game the other night, was it yesterday or two days ago against the Panthers? Like within a couple minutes, you're like, all right, this one's over and, and yeah. there's nothing to see here. So like, it's, it's a work in progress. I don't think they're, this is their future, but for right now, like it, it, I just can't have them any higher because this is what they've been. This is perfect because at number 25, I have the New York Islanders. Um, I am completely in agreement. Like I, I was quite, defensive of the Islanders um, in the, over the past couple of years and people just saying that they like, they play boring hockey because they're defensive. I don't think that's true at all. I, I, I like the structure of their defensive style and like contrasted against the, the, like a team like the stars, like the, the Islanders are, are content to sit back or had been content to sit back and just like bide their time and then really pounce 
on the openings and they create a lot of, they created a lot of offense off the rush, which is really exciting. And like, I, I love the, I love watching the um, like the, the camaraderie between that team. It did seem like a very, very tight knit group. They roll four lines. They really buy in. Like I, I was big on the Islanders, but like, you know, this year it ha- I, I feel like I haven't, they haven't had that sort of intrigue and they haven't had that sort of success. So there's really not much there besides like, Matt Barzell and seeing him on any given night, like I have a personal rooting interest for Zane Ochara. So like, I, I kind of want to check him out, but there's not much there right now. No, there isn't. Chara's had a, uh, a mm-hmm. rough go of it. He, great. <laughs> the other night against the lightning, he got like at the end of the game, I guess he like, he had hit uh, Boris Kachuk and then he just turned around and like punched them. But like, I think he was expecting to punch him in the face, but Cause it's Ditto Chara. He like punched them like in the, in the chest basically <laughs> and then tried to like double leg, take him down. It was, it was pretty comical, but um, yeah, it, uh, it hasn't gone the way they, they certainly expected to start the year. Um, all right. Next on my list, I'm up to 24 right now. Yep. Same. We're aligned now. All right. I have the crack in here. Okay. Uh, it might be a bit of a blind spot for me. And it's something I, I wrestled with a lot because on the one hand, I enjoyed the novelty of it. I like, I'll tune in. I watched the game last night against, against the Blackhawks on TNT. I like seeing the new jerseys. I like seeing the combinations of new players playing together that haven't previously, but the actual product itself just has not been very viewer friendly. And and I'm not even talking about the wins and losses because they're clearly a better team than their record indicates. Like if they could buy a single save from Phil Brewer, they'd be better, but they're kind of profiling as the team we expected them to be, which is like, no one is playing at a lower event pace than they are. They've been really good at suppressing other teams' shots and chances against. They've just been giving up goals because Grubauer has been a complete save. But I, there hasn't been enough there for me like from the actual product to keep sucking me in. I, I do watch it just because I enjoy the novelty of it, but the actual on-ice play has has not been nearly good enough. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, like I have uh, we're twenty four. I have um, I have the St. Louis Blues, and oh, you know, I yeah. have them way higher way higher. I, I think that the blues, like I like the blues lineup. I, I do like, I really do. And I think that they are a pretty good team. Like they're, they're a good team, but I'm not crazy about, about like their style. And I just, I'm not, I'm, you know, I, maybe there's some bias here. Cause I'm just not the biggest blues fan after what, what they did to me a few well, years course. ago. Yeah. Uh, um, but, but like, I, I have one of the reasons why I will tune in to watch the blues. Cause like any given night, you have a, a pretty good chance, pretty high percentage of watching Jordan Bennington pee his diaper and and go off the rails and try to start some start some crap. So uh, they, I have them there. Maybe that's disrespectful, but I'm not huge on the Blues. Well, I have them at 11 on my list, and they're one of my okay. biggest risers since the preseason. And I will say, I, I think you should give them a chance. I think people associate them with that team that won the Cup that's historically been kind of boring in terms of prioritizing defense and trying to grind it out and play this kind of heavy hockey, but they've been anything but so far. Like if anything, they have this really fun group of diverse forwards. Maybe that sort of Jordan Cairo, Pavel Buchnevich duo is like catnip for me because they've been two of yeah. my favorites over the years, but they've been so fun together. 
And I just, they've been scoring a lot. I think they had the second rank power play. Like they've been playing some pretty fun high scoring games. And so for me, uh, I went into the year not expecting much and I've been very pleasantly surprised. So uh, I have them higher than you and I'd recommend people check them out more than uh, okay. if they have some bias against them. But yeah, I um, haven't give, I haven't given them like a ton, a ton of uh, opportunity. And again, I, I agree. Like I like their lineup a lot. It, their depth has like, I think that the, the, the top end is a little you know, there's a little bit to be desired there, but their depth is, is quite solid. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, tying the two together, I, I brought up the Kraken earlier. Now the blues, like, man, Vladimir Tarasenko, this version of him is pretty much exactly what the Kraken need. Like, I think they have mm -hmm. the second worst power play or something, and he's back to shooting a lot and scoring a lot. And that's kind of exactly what they need right now. So um, where did you have the Kraken? Uh, I have the Kraken uh, actually quite high. I have them at eight just because like there's been a lot of early interest in just seeing what they're about yep, yep. and seeing what's happening there. I mean, horrible goaltending can be quite fun to watch. And uh, like the gif ability of the Kraken is quite high. Um, their uniforms. And then they got John Forsland. Yep. Yeah. No, that's fair. I, uh, I'm with you on that. Okay. Uh, who's next on your list? Uh, we're up to 22 for me. So I think we got to catch up here a bit. Uh, yeah, so I uh, at twenty four at twenty uh, at twenty three, I have uh, the Nashville Predators. I have a twenty two. Um, there we go. Okay, yeah, the, uh, I, I think that the Predators are a team that's like there's intrigue there because you know their atmosphere is great. Uh, I'm really sort of invested into finding out whether Matt Duchesne's resurgence is for real or for not or or not. Um, I'm also very. Um, I'm very intrigued with the Philip Forsberg factor and, and what might happen with him and, you know, seeing what kind of stock he's building for himself leading up to, to mid season. And it's just overall, it's just a team that I think is in a very weird place. Like they're they I would have said that this team probably should have taken strides to blow it up. And in ways they did, like they stripped away pieces and it looked like they were kind of going to continue that. But now you've got like some of these signs where, you know, they're competitive and they're starting to get uh, returns on players that maybe we had written off before, like Duchesne. Um, so like I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued and interested in what they can provide regularly and consistently. Yeah. Duchesne's been fun. He already has more goals and points than he did all of last year. Um, that's a pretty low bar to clear, obviously, but. He's been dynamic again. Um, you know, Soros is one of the very few goalies in the league for me that it's legitimately entertaining to watch. Like if you think about it, the whole concept of a goalie is to prevent fun and to keep the puck out of the net. But he's just like, he's so dynamic. He's, he's, I don't know if he's the Connor McDavid, he's the Kale McCarr of goalies. Like the edge work he does, not to sound like a complete, complete goalie nerd here, but like his lateral movement and quickness, he had a couple saves against the Leafs the other night. I was watching that game closely where he was just going side to side and just covering so much ground. And, and so he's been so good over the past year and a half that even if they had intentions on taking a step back or, or whatever, like he's kind of dragging them into being competitive and winning a lot of these games, but it's been really fun to watch. So I sometimes tune in just to see what UC Soros is going to do. And I love the fact that like we're in this time where it's like, all right, if you're a six, five, you're just going to put you in there in net and you can just block a lot of shots. And instead Soros is this little guy who's just bouncing around and sure creatively maybe. making stops. Yeah. I love it. I love you. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was my, he was my preseason Vezina pick. And so like, I am invested in seeing what he's bringing in on any given night. And 
you know, it, again, like it's a situation where I was curious preseason where they would be because like, you know, I thought they'd be a middling team and does the fact does whether or not they make the playoffs take UC Saros out of the Vezina running. If he's, if he's at the top of his game, like they're always going to be an intriguing team based off the fact that I don't really know where they are. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Champions aren't born. They're made. And the secret to make your business reign supreme Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Shopify is a secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash bluewire. Recognize employees with Custom Inc. Show customer appreciation with Custom Inc. Outfit your teams with Custom Inc. Easily add your logo to your favorite products and brands at customink.com. Make Custom Inc. your custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing, along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. All backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Do it all today at customink.com. I have, um, so I had them at 22, just to kind of rattle through here, because I had the Penguins at 21. We already talked about them. Okay. Let me catch uh, up. Uh, let me yeah, catch go up because I, I got the uh, I have the Devils at 22. Um, I think that they're a team like on the precipice of being something noteworthy, but like not quite there yet. And they definitely lose a bit of oomph without uh, Jack Hughes in the lineup. And um, I think that like watching Jack Hughes reach superstar level um, and it's coming. Uh, I, I was interested in in watching him on any given night and seeing where that trajectory heads. So, you know, without him in the lineup, they lose a few points. 21, this might shock you. Might absolutely shock you. I have the Boston Bruins at 21. Um, oh, I have up a nine. So nine? it seems like I'm the Bruin, Bruins hover on this, wow. uh, this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, like, even as a Bruins fan, like, uh, I'm, I'm watching every game, but, like, they are not super exciting. Uh, no. Like they, their, their top line is obviously incredible. That's going to make you make it worth tuning in on any given night. Um, but like, they're not that exciting behind the top line. Um, their watchability is quite low because it's hard to watch them. They're not playing games. They're <laughs> well, taking like a that's week true. off in between games every time. It's insane. Whoever scheduled, whoever came up with the schedule for the Bruins needs to be thrown in jail. Um, and I will also take off points that they keep wearing those stupid third jerseys that I dislike quite a lot. The one yeah. with just like the block B. Yeah. I The top line is so good. 
in terms yeah. of even watchability for me that I have them that high, just purely out of respect for like, I want to see like their, their chemistry and like the, this is going to be the nerdiest thing I think I've ever done on this podcast, but like the geometry they use on the ice is so appealing to me. Like they do these like kind of diagonal dump-ins where it's like clearly a design sort of pass and, and they, so just do stuff. they just see the ice differently than everyone else. And, and I, I really enjoy that. Uh, you're going to be aware of the stat, obviously having watched the game and, and being a fan of the team, but they've played 300 minutes at five on five without Bergeron or coil on the ice. So that's kind of like, bottom six minutes, right. Without either of those top two centers, they scored four goals in that time. Yeah. So four or five on five goals in 300 minutes is not good for those scoring at home. And it's a problem. And it's obviously been something that's been a recurring theme with this team. It's like the top of the lineup, you know, used to be David Krejci in that number two center gig, but you know, you're going to get from the top six, can the bottom six pieces together enough and they haven't yet. And they invested a lot into a bunch of guys that could conceivably help there over the off season. And they're just not getting enough from them yet. So you're right. Like maybe I'm overrating just how good that top line yeah, is. So that's what I was just going to say. Like, I think that maybe there, the discrepancy there is that I've seen this on a regular basis night in and night out for like the past two or three years where I'm sick of it, man. Like I'm sick of, of seeing just the top line, drag the Bruins to relevance and like for as good as they are. And they are like, they're amazing. I'm not taking them for granted, but I want to see more. And this team should be a lot more entertaining than it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, so I had 21 penguins, 20 senators. We already did them. 19 I, devils. We did that. Uh, 20. I had the capitals. Uh, I think the capitals, the, the biggest reason like and the capitals are a good team. They're surprisingly been surprisingly, uh, surprisingly good so far this year. And like the Alex Ovechkin factor is insane. Um, you know, it's, you know, anytime you can watch Alex Ovechkin, you should probably make an effort to do so, especially because he's still great right now. And it's insane that he's still great at his age. And, you know, you shouldn't take it for granted because the you know it's closer to the end than it is to the beginning and the chase itself is uh is exciting and they've got some some good young players but you know overall i think that the capitals are sort of like a team that is not going to not going to super blow you away yeah you know what you're going to get from them i right. i had them higher like i have them at 7 just because i think there's nothing more fun except for maybe Connor McDavid than just watching Ovechkin score goals celebrate and just be like impervious to time and regular human stuff like just he's in its own category in terms of just there's no end in sight and every time you think he's going to slow down a little bit or he starts the year kind of had an injury in the preseason is he going to be good to go or not and then he just is a goal a game and just looks every bit the part and so for me i really want to cherish these next couple of years to like follow this race and just soak up as much of Edgkin as i can because i know that we're watching something we're, we're probably never going to see again in our lifetime, right? Like it, it seems right. very unlikely that we're ever going to see a player that has his durability, his shot volume, his goal scoring, like all of it put together into one package. So I kind of want to, I want to enjoy that while we still can. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Um, so I have, uh, okay. So I think we're like into my teens already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at 19 right now. Okay. Who do you have at 19? Uh, right now at 19, I have the Vegas golden Knights. And I think that that is very much subject subject to change. Like we talked about, um, I don't know which team you had mentioned earlier, uh, the penguins where, yeah. you know, they're not healthy. So it's tough to fully register what they can be. 
And obviously, I think the expectations were a lot higher for the Golden Knights than like the 19th most watchable team. And now that they have Jack Eichel, that's also going to skyrocket them up a little bit um, if and when he gets on the ice this year. Um, So it's like it's very hard to gauge their watchability right now. But there is still intrigue as to what they are despite the health issues because they entered the season as this heavy favorite, um, you know, near the top of the the odds list. And, you know, I, I think that they're a team that you kind of, it's worth investing time in finding out what they're capable of when not at full strength. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they've been, I think by any metric, like the worst defensive team in the league. So there's been a lot of volume in their mm-hmm. games. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a TBD because they've finally got Mark Stone back. They can get Patrick and Carlson back here in a bit, and they're obviously going to be much more watchable. They just haven't really been uh, the last little bit. They're obviously, I think. Have you ever been to a to a home game of theirs? Uh, I have. I've not been to a home game. I've been to the arena. I went to the expansion draft. Nice. Um, it's a really nice arena. I think the All Star break is in Vegas this year, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. planning on going to cover it. So same. Uh, I would love. Okay, well, yeah, well, maybe we'll we'll record something while we're there. But I've even watching it on on TV or on my laptop. I like it transfers to me. Like I I feel like it's a party atmosphere. Even just sitting in my bedroom watching on my laptop. So um, I'm excited to actually get to get to see that in person. But that's certainly like I I enjoy watching their home games just purely based on that alone. I know it's not going to be kind of this like dead atmosphere where nothing's going on. Very good broadcast too. Yeah. Uh, Their broadcast is is really strong. I like it. All right, let's keep it going. Uh, Okay. At 18, I have the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I really like their forward group. Uh, There's a ton of talent there. Uh, Not quite. I think that I would have put them higher if their defense was worse. Like Mm -hmm. like the, the defense that they've had over the past couple of years where they're just like bleeding high danger opportunities and you're watching Connor Hellebuck go to work. Like I, I feel like the, the defense kind of tightening up a little bit and Connor Hellebuck being not so good has been, has has kind of hurt their watchability in in a way. Right. But like their but their high end talent is still absolutely going to pull in my attention. Like I'm a big Mark Shifley guy. I love Nick Ehlers. Um, So like, I, you know, I, I really like, what they have up front, especially in the top six. And I'm, I'm going to take time to watch that um, uh, more often than not. Yeah. I, you're, you're killing me. I have them at six. Like you're mm-hmm. all of my, all of my top 10 teams, you're just dismissing them uh, as if they're just well, completely rubbish. But I think once we get into my top 10, you're going to see that like, I value certain things more than bad, others. All the bad, less watchable <laughs> yeah, teams. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. On my list here, I've got, Kyle Connors, shot making, Nick Ehlers just zipping through the neutral zone. Pure Luke Dubois this year really returning to form. We talk about Matt mm-hmm. Duchesne's bounce back. Dubois already basically matched his production from last year and looks the part. He's back to using that big frame to, to kind of power through contact. So I um I like I like watching the Jets. I also feel like you're right. They're not having as many sort of, you know, screen capturable like three on O's and stuff like that against Hellebuck. Uh, but I still feel like it's a good game environment for nonsense to take place and for, uh, you know, just random scoring chances back and forth. So I like them quite a bit. Um, all right, let's keep, let's keep it going. Uh, I had the Canadians, uh, at 17, we we already talked about them, uh, 16, I have the Canucks because 
uh, you know, there's a morbid curiosity there in, in terms of seeing how bad it's going to get. And, you know, there's the, the chance that on any given night, they're going to give up like a hundred goals. And so I kind of want to see that. And I, like, I've, personally, I, I have some sort of investment in the Canucks in, in wanting to see them turn a corner or like, or not, or yeah. just like seeing them get to a point where they need to blow it up or like throw somebody under the bus. And I think it's very close. So now, uh, you know, maybe it's recency bias with the stuff that's happened this week with Jim Benning, but they're quite high. They're like in the middle, higher than they probably deserve based on a talent standpoint, but I have them at 16. Sure. Yeah. We already did them on my list. Um, mm-hmm. I have, a I have the flyers at 17 as like the, the lowest team still remaining on my list. I just, I never know what I'm going to get from them on a game to game basis. I feel like mm-hmm. they have very high highs in terms of entertainment and also like lows and, and they've been obviously successful this season, but just in terms of the watchability, it hasn't had that sort of chaotic factor. Like Carter Hart's been ridiculously good this year and is amongst the league leaders in terms of goal state above expected. And so that's made them less entertaining from the perspective of it's just not going to be like peak flyers. Um, they're actually pretty good. So I just, I didn't really know what to do with them on the list, on this list. And I kind of, it felt right to put them right in the middle. Yeah. I, uh, I have them at 15, so it's literally my next team. And the only note that I have on them is, you know, they're, I have that they are, you know, very unpredictable, but they also have Rasmus Ristolainen, which is, uh, you know, bring me in, hook it right up to my veins because there's at any given moment, you've got a chance to see something ridiculous. Yeah, and he's been better this year. And I, I look forward to uh, to Flyers fans talking themselves into that one only for him to pull out the rug from right under their feet at the very most inopportune time. The, uh, uh, like the first couple of weeks though, man, it was uh, it was like same old, same old. I mean, he looked quite bad at, 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 uh, at various points. <laughs> yep. Um, I got the Red Wings 15. On my list. Man, we are in sync right now. I have them at 14. They're my next team. Nice. I mean, that top line is so freaking fun. Like Lucas Raymond's uh, first month on the scene has been incredible. Like I just love the way he he plays and sort of sees the ice and playing off of Dylan Larkin's speed has been a perfect fit. Add Mo Sider in there. Like they've been a really fun team to watch. I, I think they've come cra- crashing back down to earth a bit here in terms of wins and losses. And I, I think they're still a year or two away from actually being a playoff contender, but just in terms of watchability, like I thought in the past they were horrid because their blue line was so bad that they couldn't string together two passes. And it's been much different from a, from an aesthetic perspective this season. Right. And like, as soon as they break away from being a joke and being a punching bag for the league, you should probably start paying attention. And now they're at that point where, you know, they are certainly no joke. And I think that they're playing with pride and they've, they've got some, they've got some room from behind them. We'll see if they lose it. If, if like the losses pile up, but again, like the, those young pieces are there and they're there to stay. And I want to see that development, especially because we know the relevance is coming. Stevie yeah. Y doesn't mess around. He's got a plan. It's going to work out. We all know this. Yeah. So like get familiar with the Red Wings, especially now that they're kind of turning a corner. I'm, I'm with you. Um, all right. Who's next on your list then? Uh, I have the Calgary flames. Uh, the Calgary flames are at 13. Andrew Mangipani is one of the most underrated players in the league. And I love him. You know, I, I know that you've been high and you just wrote about Oliver Chillington. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his sort of breakout is very exciting. Jacob Markstrom 
possibly like the best goalie in the league. Uh, and I really like their uniforms too. Their uniform set is quite pleasing aesthetically. And, you know, I think that the, the Flames are a team that has a lot of intrigue this year. Yeah. I think people think of Daryl Sutter as kind of this like archaic style where they want to just grind it out and turn the game into a rock fight, but they like to play fast. Like they like to create off of the rush. Uh, they certainly have the personnel up front to do so with my Japani and Johnny Goodrow and Elias Lindholm and so on and so forth. And Shillington has been, uh, has been a revelation, like just watching him fly around the ice. I think the list is very short of individual players. I've enjoyed watching more than him so far. Like the mm-hmm. amount of ground he covers, especially sometimes defensively where he looks like he's out of the play and the other, like the other night, I think it was Joel Farabee. He looked like he had a breakaway. And then just Shillington just comes flying in out of nowhere and just knocks him off the puck and just prevents it. And it's like, holy crap, like this guy was shot out of a cannon. So I, uh, I highly recommend watching the Flames if people haven't done so already. Um, I have uh, the next on my list is the Minnesota Wild at 14. Um, I had the Flames at 12, by the way. Uh, okay, so that's that uh, yeah. kind of lines up. I have, uh, I have the Wilds at 12 ahead of the flames. So they were my next team, like Kirill Kaprizov worth the price. He just, admission. he just hasn't been as fun so far this season. Right. And I'm not going to write it off. Like, I don't think he was a one hit wonder by any means. Like I'm, I'm, I'm buying Kirill Kaprizov stock if anyone is selling. Um, right. But I thought they'd be more fun just because he was like, they were easily a top 10 team last year, just purely based on how he was playing. And it's taken a bit of a step back this year, which is why I had them 13th or whatever on my list. But, um, once he starts, once he gets going, and I think he will, like they're going to shoot back up. Yeah, no, I, I think that they have a they have the higher potential, like p- potential of being top ten by having them at twelve. Let me ask you a question based off of that. Like, if you had to buy one stock of a player who is like a bit lower right now, would you take Kirill Kaprizov or are you going to take Elias Pettersson? I mean, it, it's it's tough because Pettersson has been so bad for the past like year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's unique circumstances because his wrist was really messed up last year. And it's clear that he's still not hundred percent because he's just not shooting nearly as much as he was before. Uh, and he's only 23 years old. So like, I think his upside is through the roof, but he's been really, really bad this year. Mm-hmm. So I think his stock is lower than Kaprizov's is. So purely from a value perspective, I would say by Pedersen stock, although the Canucks are such a mess right now that, it could drag down his performance along the way if they don't turn it around. Whereas the wild are playing pretty good hockey and have the pieces around Kaprizov where they've been able to sort of survive him being pedestrian relative by his standards. And once he turns it on, I think they're going to be really good. So uh, I'm kind of hedging my bet there. I, I, I would buy stock for both those guys. Cause I just, I'm a firm believer in just betting on talent and it eventually winning out and people get way too reactionary with like, 10, even 20 game stretches of a guy not looking that great. Like if you know the talent is there, just bet on it turning around. Right. Yeah. And so I have, um, I have the wild at 12, um, you know, Kaprizov, I think that, you know, he, he the, that team is, is going to get better. Um, and, but I do think that like, there is an element where they're watchable because a lot of their games so far have been quite close and quite dramatic. So, you know, even if they're not playing at their, their top level, them playing at a lower level has still been entertaining. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So we're up to 13 on my list and this team is definitely the biggest riser for me so far. And one that I was not expecting. And I'm assuming they're going to be your midnight rider. It's the Anaheim Ducks. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're higher for me. I mean, how high do you have them? 10. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm at 13. Yeah. Um, 
wow. I, I tweeted this the other night after his overtime winner, but like the amount of swag that Trevor Zegers has at all times is yeah. obscene and it's deserved because he backs up with his play. Like his skills are through the roof, but he's such a star already. Like if I were the ducks, if I were the NHL, I'd be just marketing the hell out of him because like, I think pe- people that follow hockey are obviously aware of him. And he was like a, a top guy and he just shined at the world juniors and all that. But like, he needs to be a household name because he's just insanely fun to watch. And, and so I'm, I'm buying all of this eager stock. Yeah. I think like, you know, the youngsters there are, are really worth tuning in for. And like Zegers is in that group, obviously uh, Drysdale, even like Troy Terry. I know that he's like a, not, not necessarily like a youngster by standards right now, but like we're sort of, we're seeing him reach another level this year. And it's to the point where like, you want to watch the ducks games to see if Troy Terry is going to keep it up. Cause like, is he going to be at the Olympics? Like I know that point you know, streak for Troy Terry. Yeah, it's insane. Like, and not only that, like Ryan Getzloff is having a resurgence, which is what are we talking about? <laughs> where Where is this coming from? The Ducks are the most surprising team in the league, and that it's in itself is worth tuning into. I don't know if it's sustainable, but like, I'm absolutely watching Ducks games right now, and I've been one of the biggest uh, like I don't want to say Ducks haters, but like I've just ignored the Ducks because what am I what am I paying attention to in Anaheim over the past couple of years? And like, no, not for nothing. We don't want to keep harping on uniforms, but like I hate them so much. Like I, know, I re- they're the worst. I resent the Ducks so much because they have one of the best uniforms in league history, just gathering dust in their closet with the initial Mighty Ducks look, and like that branding itself is god tier in sports so like as this team turns a corner i hope so too does the way that they market themselves the way that they brand and like this team could be one of the most exciting in hockey in like a a two years time two three years time and i think they're in an interesting position organizationally because they've been entertaining they also have this 10 game point streak and i think they only have one loss of more than one goal uh, difference. Like, so they've been super competitive and at the start of the year, I, I'm with you. Like last year, they, they were horribly just mismanaged and disorganized and, and were unwatchable almost despite some of this young talent and heading into this year, I was like, all right, well, they have Getzlaff, Lindholm, Manson, Raquel, all these guys are expiring contracts. They're certainly just going to have a fire sale and trade everyone and get as many picks and extend this rebuild. But now they're so good that it's like, well, I'm curious to see how the next whatever weeks, months are going to go leading up to the trade deadline, because obviously if they keep winning, like not that they're going to become buyers, but it complicates matters in that regard. So I'm really curious to see whether they can keep this going. Obviously I'm not expecting them to keep getting a point in every single game, but um, there's certainly the talent there to make them fun. So I'm, uh, I'm with you. Uh, Who's next on your list? Uh, well, I'll back up a little bit because I, uh, I went from 12 to 10, but uh, I have the Blackhawks at 11. Like, I know that this season has been an absolute circus and a disaster and like they're a pretty uh, unsavory team at this point in time from an on off ice perspective, but like on ice, the circus, I I just like, I've been very interested in seeing how, how poorly they started the year and like what Colleton was doing and just, you know, and now you know, they're entering into recovery mode and undefeated under Derek King. And and like, so there's still intrigue surrounding that team and surrounding the talent that they have there. Like Patrick Kane's still there. I'm interested to see what Seth Jones looks like on any given night, just based off of the, uh, off of like, you know, 
what they were willing to sink into him this yep. this offseason. And then like even Mark Andre Fleury, I, I'm I'm invested in Mark Andre Fleury, and and I don't want to see him miserable. And uh, you know, even kind of watching his personal mental demise through like the first month of the season. I didn't say that like, I don't, I didn't definitely didn't enjoy it, but like I wanted to keep an eye on it. Yeah. And so like the Blackhawks have had that, that sort of intrigue for me. Yeah. They were so bad defensively under Jeremy Carlton that I feel like making that coaching change made them slightly less watchable just because they've tightened it up a little bit. They obviously the competition hasn't been particularly good in these first couple of games. So we'll see when this, once they start playing better teams, but yeah, like they were good for, for some good screen captures back in the Carlton days where it was like, where is everyone in this, in this picture right now, there's like three opposing skaters and no Blackhawks in sight, but um, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm with you there. I got, um, we're all the way into my top 10 now. Yep. Same. So I have the Rangers at 10. Okay. Uh, where do you, you have, we haven't gone through them on your list yet, right? Nope. We have not. They are, uh, they're in my top 10, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you go. Number 10 for me was the ducks. So like, I'm, I'm done with 10. You can go into the Rangers and I'll, I'll I'll build on that. Yeah. I mean, so they have a 10 to three and three record so far. I think their skater, the way they've performed hasn't been nearly that good. Um, like they've relied on Igor Shesterkin quite a bit to get to that record. I'm still willing to watch them because of the combination of like Panarin is good for at least two or three ridiculous plays with a puck. Adam Fox doing literally anything with or without the puck is really good to watch. And Chris Kreider has been flying down the wing. And so put that all together. It's a fun time. I enjoy their broadcast. Uh, I think certainly on the relevancy perspective, they're, they're, they're high. Um, I'd like to see them actually improve the underlying process and start playing up to their capabilities, but they're banking all these wins. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're not complaining. So yeah, I have them at 10. I, I, I'm willing to bump them up even higher because the individual talent is that good, but I just like 10 is a pretty, pretty fair spot for them. I think. Yeah. I have them at five. I have them at five because I think that they're, uh, you know, a lot of things you just mentioned, they're thoroughly imperfect, but like there are a lot of interest points for this team, just starting with the fact that they had one of the more interesting off seasons slash like last few months of the season last year, this team uh, obviously completely had a, a an overhaul, and a lot of people were critical of the the moves that they made and the the uh, the summer of grit. And so, I'm interested to just kind of see where that led. And you know, Adam Fox, Kako, Lafreniere, Shesterkin, you know, so many points of interest for that team that like I want to watch, and you know. There also there's also an element for the Rangers like you don't know what you're going to get on any given night. And so like that in itself is kind of worth tuning into. They love giving up highlight real goals like two of the best goals that have been scored this season have been against the Rangers. So like, you know, there's for better or for worse, like I mentioned the Canucks a few years ago, for better or for worse, the Rangers are always kind of going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, certainly they they have a high entertainment factor for sure. Um, All right. So. I'm up to eight on mine. So who do you have at nine? At nine, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning, which seems like it's probably a bit like too low for a team that's as good as they are. I have them at eight. Okay, Uh, like I don't know if it's if it's um, like a sense of fatigue with the Lightning, um, but you know they're 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 obviously like the back to back champs, and there's tons of talent there, but like they're not nearly as polished and as deep as they've been in years past. 
They've, you know, sort of struggled a little bit out of the gate, maybe. Um, you know, you kind of know, you kind of like know what you're going to get from them in certain areas. And like the other areas haven't been crazy interesting to me. Like one, one point where I've like made a, a point to tune in to watch is Matthew Joseph, because I feel like Matthew Joseph has been somebody that I've kind of been expecting to take the next step and take on a bigger role and fill in some of the shoes that of departing guys from that roster. So like, I've wanted to see him play and see what he's capable of. But like outside of that, the lightning are not, not as much of a draw as you'd expect from a team that's been as good and as successful as them from the past couple of years. And I think for me, that's purely just because Nikita Kucherov isn't there right now. Like Mm -hmm. I, for as many good players they have, they play a very sort of meat and potatoes style of game while he's not there. Like he unlocks so much for them with his creativity and, and they just play an entirely different brand of hockey when he's on the ice and he's flinging the puck around and he's a dual threat as a shooter and a passer. And so for me, like it's a testament to how good and how deep they are that they don't have a top three entertainment uh, level player in the lineup. And they're still in my top 10 and I have them at eight, but with Kucherov, they'd obviously be significantly higher. So for me, that's, that's, that's the difference there. And, and you're right. We've seen so much of them over the past couple of years and we kind of know what to expect. So there isn't too much in terms of surprise. Uh, we're into my top five because I had like the, the jets and the capitals okay. pretty high here. And I think the Bruins. So um, let's uh, let's get to your top five. Let's do the teams that you, uh, you haven't covered yet up to that point. Uh, okay. So I have the lightning at nine. Uh, I had the Kraken at eight. I talked about that a little bit yep. um, at seven. I have the Colorado avalanche, uh, which is, you know, Pretty shocking that they're that low because, you know, heading into the season, I probably would have put them like one or two based off of the top tier talent. Like they're, you know, McKinnon, McCarr, uh, Rantanen, like, you know, there's, there's so much to watch there and they play a high energy pace and, um, you know, they open the season as a Stanley cup favorite. So there's always going to be like intrigue there to see what they're capable of every single year or, uh, every single game. But, you know, it's been a slow start. They've been pretty mediocre. Um, and uh, I've also taken issue with the fact that they just keep adding blue stuff to their uniforms every single year. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. I feel like next year they're going to be full blue. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. I, I don't understand what they're doing either in that regard. They were my preseason number one. I still believe that their A plus game presents the highest upside of any of these teams. Mm-hmm. Like when their offense starts snowballing, sometimes it's, it's honestly breathtaking. Cause it's just like, you're just sitting back and you're like, Holy, it's just a barrage of rush shots. Um, we just haven't seen all those top weapons on the ice at the same time yet. Um, you know, the finally Taves and Makar are back to playing together. McKinnon, once he comes back, they'll be relatively at full form. And so I think as soon as that happens, they'll bump up. But I am at four on my list just because I thought that even with the injuries and sort of the relatively slow start, there's enough there to, uh, to tune in, but, um, yeah, I'm at, I'm at four. Um, I have the hurricanes at five. I have the hurricanes at six. So that's my next team. Uh, they're, I mean, they're just like, they're good, fun team, uh, tons of zone time, tons of shots on net. Like, uh, I'm interested in, in Freddie Anderson's revival. Uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot, to dislike about watching the Carolina hurricanes. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I, I, I love the, 
the pace and intensity they play with, right? Like it, it seems like it obviously just comes from from their coach Rod Brindamore, who's an absolute lunatic. And I love when the camera pans him and he's just yelling at someone. But like they aggress- they aggressively forecheck so hard, and they just don't take shifts off, right? Like it seems like whoever's on the ice for them, something is going to be happening. Like there's no time where you're like, all right, I can take a two minute break here to kind of look away. Like it feels like at all times there could be shots and goals. Um, I also, you know, in that regard, Svechnikov is the NHL's like events king right now, like on a permanent basis, whether it's best. shot attempts or points or penalties, like something, every single uh, Andre Svechnikov shift, something is going to happen. And that's makes for great entertainment because you yep. know that you'll have something to look forward to. So I, um, I have them five on my list and, and they're just, yeah, everyone knows like they're a really good team and they're really deep. So uh, let's Rangers keep it going were, with yours. Rangers were my five. Okay. We talked about them. Yep. So uh, four, I have, the Arizona Coyotes. Oh my God. Arizona Coyotes at four because there's, I mean, we could be watching the worst team ever assembled in it's league true. history. Yeah. So there is, there's intrigue there. Like, I think, you know, not to be insulting, but like, I think you're stupid if you're not trying to watch the worst team that has ever been in the league. And I want to see what happens with the Coyotes on any given night because it could be. It could be awful. It could be an absolute train wreck, and I want to see how bad it gets. The Kachina jerseys don't don't hurt. Um, I was a, a quite heartbroken when they had a national TV game last week and wore the howling head. Ugh. I was like, number one, how are the Coyotes getting any national TV games this year? And number two, how are you going to wear your worst jersey when you are on a national showcase? But at least that was the game against the Wild, where I believe they gave up a couple hilarious highlight reel goals against including uh yeah. like there was a five on three and Kaprizov and Zuccarello were just passing it behind the net and their goalie didn't know where the puck was and was just looking side to side until it was in the net um I that, that game ended up I, I think that I'm remembering this correctly but that game like got out of hand real quick it did it did yeah. I man four is I guess I guess you could just take my argument about Ovechkin and be like you're never gonna see this again and just copy paste it here I guess for the Coyotes yeah. in terms of that but They'd be higher on my list if they could somehow get Carter Hutton back into net. Like the first couple of games he played this year were very amusing uh, in terms of what was going in. So like their goaltending has been shockingly competent and it's kind of uh, toned down a few of these games so far. So maybe if they can get Hutton back in or if, uh, you know, if Abelka and Wedgwood stop playing as well as they have, maybe, maybe I can bump them up a bit, but I don't know. It's, I had a tough time. I, 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 they were pretty clear 32 for me. I, I appreciate the fact that you, uh, you put yourself on a limb here. Put in I mean, that's, line. I feel like that's a, that's, that's like a good insight into this exercise as to like where the, like the evaluation comes in. Like the, there's so much to evaluate in terms of watchability that your 32 can be my four. Yep. Wait, so do we have the same top three? I, th- I, it's, I think so. Yeah, because uh, we haven't covered them, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have the Leafs at three. Okay. I have uh, the uh, I have the Florida Panthers at three. So I have them at two. Okay. Um, do you want to you take whichever one you want? Do you want the Leafs or the Panthers? Uh, I'll do the Panthers. I mean, I, I think the the Panthers are a well-oiled machine. Like, they have high, high-end talent. Like, I've been impressed by how capable they've been on the back end. Like, obviously, you're going to get what you're going to get from Barkov and, and Huberto and, like, Anthony Duclair, hell yeah. 
so like, you know, I, I think I'm very interested in Sergei Bobrovsky's comeback and uh, Spencer Knight's development. I have them at three. Uh, like I, I, I easily think that I could have put them at two or like perhaps one. Yeah. But the reason that I have them at three, they have the worst camera angle in all of hockey. Their camera angle is horrendous. It looks like uh, like the, their placement is so low in home games that it looks like a high school hockey game. You can't see the puck when it goes into the corner. But from, you know why like, they're doing that, right? They don't want to show the stands. Yeah, but like I'm not going to give them credit for that, for being ashamed of their attendance. Give me a break. Uh, uh, no, like the, it is, it's legitimately rattling how much I hate that camera view. I like it more than the opposite, which is the Sharks one, which makes you feel like you're sitting in the press box while you're sitting at home. Um, I hope Barkov's okay. That knee injury he suffered the other yeah, night was, was scary, and, and obviously that bumps him down a bit in terms of entertainment, but it sounds like he'll you know, avoid it worst-case scenario, and he'll be back. They're just they're so relentless off the rush. Like They're the best rush team in the league. They create so much. They have so many fun skaters. So I had them at number two. Like I, They're priority viewing for me. I, I make sure to watch them whenever they're on. Um, I had the Leafs at three. Yeah, them at two. Uh, no one creates more chances than they have so far this year. Uh, at the same time, even though their defense has improved and their defensive numbers have improved, it still feels like they have this propensity for potential crazy games to break out, uh, where it genuinely feels like no lead is safe. And so obviously they have a history of of blowing leads, but similarly, if they go down early in a game, I want to tune in because they have the ability to jump right back into it and score enough to get back in. So that's an issue for me a lot of, with a lot of these teams where if the game starts getting out of hand early, just with the way the league is structured, like teams kind of just give up or they just don't have enough in the tank to come back. Whereas with the Leafs, it really does feel like you have to watch the full 60 minutes because anything could happen. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what why I have them at too. I mean, they've got obviously a top tier talent that everybody's interested in and there's you know, everybody's interested in the Leafs, no matter what, like, right. you know, as much as, as much as I make fun of Toronto and Toronto media for being obsessed with the Leafs, like in certain ways, I'm obsessed with the Leafs because everybody cares. Like they are one of the most interesting teams in the league. And, you know, as you mentioned, there is the capability of a Leafs Leafs game going off the rails in one end or the other at any, at any point. So like, you're crazy if you are not tuning into that and seeing what happens. Yep. Uh, Oilers at one was like a no brainer for me. Like when I started this exercise, it was slam dunk. I mean, Connor McDavid is just the most electric athlete, I think, and in all of North American professional sports right now, like he operates on a different plane of existence than, than everyone. I have fun story here, well, fun, relatively speaking, but, um, it was my 30th birthday recently. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and hey, it was belated. Thanks man. And it was on uh, my birthday, actual birthday was a few days later, but my party was on the night where they played the Rangers and he scored that goal. And whenever I go out for dinner or any sort of social event on an evening when the Oilers are playing, like I have this feeling of FOMO that I'm just going to miss some kind of spectacle that everyone's going to be talking about. And I just like, I had this feeling, nagging feeling in the back of my head. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm missing this Oilers game. Like, I, I, I know something's going to happen. Meanwhile, like I'm at this beautiful cocktail party with everyone I love and just having nice, fancy drinks and everyone's there to celebrate me. And I'm on my phone and I'm like, oh my God, he did it. And <laughs> I was with Thomas Drance. He was there and then I'm like showing him and I'm like, did you see what McDavid did? And I'm like showing everyone at the table. 
and everyone's like, all right, great. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm like, oh my God. And, and so um, maybe that's very telling about the way I choose to live my life, but uh, yeah, not just, to get too deep into the weeds, but like I've, I was exactly that person for like a, like a, a, a long time where like I would feel like legitimate anxiety doing other things and like not watching hockey. And I've since learned to like, Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping an arm's length distance. I, I'm not, I don't care tonight's whatever. And so like, I, I feel you, I hope that you can help yourself help. a little bit. Help. Enjoy your help. 30th birthday, man. Uh, but like, help. yeah, like, no, I mean, Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid. He's the most electrifying player in the league, but he's not the most exciting player on that team right now. Like that, that's a slam dunk to put them at, at number one. Like Connor McDavid is not the most exciting player on that team right now. And that's insane. Leon Dreisaitl has been absolutely absurd this season and like the power play operating at the efficiency that it has. Um, you know, they're just like a high event team, a high pace team. You got Mike Smith who could fall off the fall off of, you know, the side of a wagon at any time, but like even, and he could be great too. Like you never know what you're going to get from that. And like the Oilers, I think it just, they may not be the best team in the league, but they are by far the most entertaining team in the league right now. Yeah. Trey Seidel's on pace for 93 goals and 87 assists. Now, <laughs> obviously he won't keep shooting 33% and scoring every single game, but with the way that power play is operating, like, it's just so obscene and really it feels like the only thing that can stop it is officials just deciding not to make calls and give them the opportunities in the first place. And and that very well might happen come the playoffs, but for right now, they're just, but even like, even now it feels like officials are afraid to give the Oilers power plays because the power play is so good. And this league is so dumb. The fact that it's like, it's like a mentality of like not wanting officiating to, impact the game too much but by making that decision or like being conscious of that you're allowing officiating to impact the game because you're not calling it as it's supposed to be called yep well and And like you're robbing fans of seeing one of the best possibly the best power play that has ever existed in the league you're robbing fans of seeing that because they're like they're thinking that they're giving them too many power plays i know it's so dumb I, my final point on this is um, Dry Saito plays 23 minutes a night. McDavid plays 22 and a half. And that's a big benefit in their favor here because you'll get these games where they creep into like the 26 minute range or whatever. And so you're just getting such maximal exposure to them too. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about the Bruins earlier. There's certain nights where their top line is just going to play like 16 minutes or whatever, right? Like if the game gets out of hand or if they feel like they need to rest them and they don't want to overexert them. Oilers are like never doing that. And if the situation calls for it, if it's a tight game, if they're getting power plays, they're going to be out there like every other shift. And so when you watch an Oilers game, you just know you're going to see Dreisaitl and McDavid on the ice at all times. And that is a big time boost for their ranking here as well, just because I don't have to worry about, oh, here comes another fourth line shift. Like that's just not going to be happening. And so that's fun. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that's going to be it. We uh, we rattled through it. I think that was pretty pretty efficient on our part. Um Plug some stuff. What uh, what are you working on these days? Where can people check you out? Uh, all my writing and, and video and TV stuff is at Bally Sports. Uh, so you go to BallySports.com, check out our website, and you know that's where my writings will be. And you know our website is semi tough to navigate right now. I'll be honest, but if you want to, you know, see the stuff that I share, you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Blackburn. 
Uh, and then I, I'm doing podcasts and, and Twitch stuff on the side too. So uh, you can catch that. Just, you know, just follow me on Twitter. I'll shove links down your throat and you won't be able to escape me. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It was, was uh, this was a lot of fun. Well, this was a blast, man. Um, if people enjoy the show, definitely go rate and review it. Go check out that uh, Shillington piece that we talked about earlier on EP Ringside. And uh, we'll be back here soon. And maybe Pete and I, uh, Come the all-star break, we'll uh, maybe we'll we'll do an in-person show or something. So look forward to that. Thanks for taking the time, man. Uh, thanks for doing your homework on this one, and we'll uh, we'll certainly get you back on the show sometime down the road. Awesome. All right, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Hockey PDO Cast. Hopefully, you enjoyed my breakdown of the Jack Eichel trade and Vegas's perspective of it with Jesse Granger. If you haven't listened to the one we put out last week detailing Buffalo's point of view on it, um, certainly go and do so. If you're all Jack Eichel out at this point i don't blame you as well i'm uh, i'm ready to move on from this and uh and cover other things as well so we will certainly be doing so moving forward i've got a really fun show planned here for hopefully over the next couple of days or if not um early next week but you have that to look forward to as well and uh and then we're going to keep the ball rolling and keep uh keep cranking out the pdo cast so Thank you, as always, for listening and for supporting the show. If you'd like to do so and haven't done so yet, um, you can help us out by leaving a quick little rating and review. Uh, Smash that five-star button, write up a little quick review that lets us know either what you enjoy about the show or why you recommend people check it out. And uh, thank you to those of you that have done so already. Um, Thank you in advance to those of you that are going to do so now. And uh, that's going to be it for today's show. So we'll be back here soon. Thanks for listening. And until then... Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast.